and welcome in to another episode of NFL Show on the Tell Me More podcast. I'm your host, Mac Moore, here again with Bobby G. How's it going, Bobby? It's going pretty good, and uh, we were talking about Point Break a little bit, but I'm glad you told me that you didn't really expect this to be a good movie, because I watched it this morning. I couldn't put it... It was supposedly on Hulu. I went on my Hulu, and it's like, never mind, bro. You need the Showtime add-on. So I had to pay $3.99 U.S. dollar on YouTube. In to fairness, watch. I paid two ninety nine to watch uh, The Illusionist. So. I know, but I so we both had to pay money. So there was there was already this thing was already behind the eight ball because I had to physically like type in my credit card number while I was laying in bed. It was it's you know first class problems at the finest. But uh, I I thoroughly disliked the whole characters mainly because I thought it was just a bunch of dumb chads running around, but it was still funny. I thought just the whole premise of the movie and watching Keanu Reeves say shit, shit, shit for two hours was kind of entertaining. So I will give it 3.25 out of five chads. That's not bad. I I think you should at least give it a 3.7. It deserves a 0.5 extra just for hearing Keanu Reeves say in all seriousness, I am an FBI agent. Uh, So so good. But just throwing... uh, Ted into a a action bank robbery surfer film is uh, one of the best moves Hollywood's ever done. Well, to be fair, I, I towards the end of the movie, the 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 Patrick Swayze is like, we're gonna take care of Keanu Reeves because they figured out they were the bank robbers and they knew he was the FBI. And then Keanu Reeves' like surfer girlfriend shows up in the next scenes, like, oh my god, you're an FBI agent. I was like, oh, I mean, like they played the woman against them. That's smart, but like. No, she just randomly found his FBI wallet hanging out in the middle of the apartment. So this dude's undercover, and he just has his gun in his batch, just, I guess, hanging out in, on top of his dresser or, like, in his fridge or something. So that might take it down to three 3.1 <laughs> out of five chads, but, you know, actually, no, just three chads. That's what I'm going with. All right, so you had the preface asking me to double check and see whether I thought this was like an all-time movie or whether you know I, I enjoyed it for the cheesiness that it was. Uh, I got to ask you with Illusionist because you gave me a list of three. You gave me the Machinist, you gave me the Prestige, and you gave me the Illusionist. Machinist is just out because at some point I might watch it. I just don't the, the the synopsis does not draw me in. The idea of Christian Bale losing a bunch of weight to do a role. It's yeah. like it's interesting, but I don't care. Um, and then the other two just, I knew I had to cause the, uh, prestige and the illusionist, uh, I've seen the prestige like a dozen times. I think it's a master class in storytelling. Christopher Nolan just knocks out of the park. And then the illusionist I never watched because it's part of those groups of films where it came out at the same time as the prestige, uh, in a similar way to, you know, deep impact and Armageddon coming out at the same time. Uh, you know, the, the, there's a laundry list of things that just have like, almost identical plots and they come out at the same time. This one being a movie where it just seems similar on the surface. You know, they're the magicians. So two magician movies come out in the same year and they're trying to be high class dramas. Uh, Yeah. It just seemed like one was built to fail and I trust Christopher Nolan more than I don't know who the hell directed this. Uh, Also, uh, I've said this on previous podcasts and I don't care if people pelt me for it. Not a big Edward Norton fan. I, I like him in American history X I like him in Fight Club. Uh, thereafter, most movies he's in, uh, he either does nothing for me or he negatively draws in the film. This happens to be one of those films. Uh, he is playing this illusionist that is 
in love with the girl from his childhood, which, you know, whatever. It's it's not the the most clever tale and no chemistry between Edward Norton and Jessica Biel. Uh, you're having Paul Giamatti is pulling off a fairly good performance. It's still weird, though, because they're supposed to be in Vienna. I don't know what accent any of them are doing. Uh, Rufus Sewell as the the uh, crown prince who wants to take over uh, Hungary and become the emperor. Uh, he, he delivers a great performance. So you have good actors in this, uh, but they, they're all trying to make this shit fest of a script work. Mm -hmm. Um, in, in where prestige did a, such a good job of using, uh, not just the, the tricks themselves, but the idea of the tricks, the, the name of the movie, the prestige, that sort of turn at the end, uh, using that as like a parable worked perfectly. This movie, it's just randomness. Like it's, it's like we're he, he, he pretty much is magic. And then at the end of the film, we're gonna show you like the four things that he actually used to to set this plot up, and those are magic, or those are real. We're not gonna tell you the rest of the things that are still left kind of like there's there's no explanation. You know, everything in the Prestige had an explanation at the end, even if they looked like just great tricks. They had an explanation. And they actually end with what is either real magic or, you know, supposed to be science with Tesla. The illusionist is just like, no, these he, are the four fake things I'm going to show you. Everything else he did that actually you wanted an answer to, they're like, nah, we're out. All right. So, cool beans. so do you know that meme? It's like the three girls at the water pocket park. It's the two hot girls in bikini. And then it's like kind of like the ugly shorter. I chick. don't know the meme, but you explained it well enough that I get what you're saying. So the prestige is the two hot chicks in the bikinis with like triple D's and are like models. And then you have the illusionist as like the ugly friend. I'll, I'll, I'll tweet you the picture later, but yeah. you understand the concept yes. because like, like you said, you summed it up pretty perfectly. I thought the illusionist was one was like the indie film version of the prestige. Because with the prestige, you had, you know, the little things like uh, Christian Bale's hand was being cut. He lost a finger, and at one point in the movie, you know, his wife says, like, oh, man, it looks like you just cut it. Well, they explained the reason why that was cut at the end of the movie. It's because he had a stunt double, and he had had the stunt double cut out of his finger. And not, well, all right, let me clear up, because it's not just stunt double. It is twins that are switching lives, and they're so dedicated to the craft that, one, one's one gets his finger cut off the other one has to follow suit because they have to be the same they will not they they are so dedicated that they will do that they're also sharing their wife so while one goes and bees the part of the troop he's uh, i forget the guy's name but you know he's got like the mustache yeah. and the glasses and in fairness i knew the trick to the movie pretty early on because i saw him like that's just christian bale and makeup but <laughs> otherwise such a good movie in, in terms of how they play that like every you're right everything matched up and that was why that was successful. And in The Illusionist, it was just kind of like, we're going to make a handful of these things at the end. Like, we're just going to do a flashback and say they matched up everything in the pre. Like, I've had to, when I rewatch The Prestige, I see new things and I'm like, shit. You, like, you notice all these little bits. Perfectly planned. Illusionist is like the lazy version of it. Yeah, The Illusionist is like, all right, uh, the reason the prince's jewel was in the murder scene is because. Norton lifted it when he touched his sword. Like, all right, like they connected that. And it's like, all right, how, how is he getting like a, a ghostly image of Jessica Biel on the stage? Like, anyone? but she's she's alive, so that's why she exists. But still, doesn't explain the technology behind it. And like, you even have the moment where they they like, oh, he could have done it this way, and it's like, uh, you you mean have this large, giant, loud projector involved? <laughs> it's like, especially in that time, you hear the. Ch -ch 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 
Yeah, no, it's it's going. You can barely hear Paul Giamatti say, (laughs) "Sure, I guess that's one way to do it." Yeah, no, everything about it was just so lazy, and it wasn't even like there were movies that are so grand. You you know, uh, if we're gonna like talk positive about Christopher Nolan, we talk negative. Like you can go through the Batman trilogy and find so many things. You're like, this is just dumb. You just did this so you could get to the next part of the story that you wrote. Right, like um, the, yeah, all the bad. cops getting caught underground in the you know to search for like well the stupid big, shit. The biggest one is Batman surviving a nuclear blast where he got like an extra two seconds ahead of everyone else. Yeah, to... that's the very end, and w- but there were more before that. There were a lot, a lot of fucking problems. My point being though that you're willing to sacrifice that because at least he was going for something grand. This one is a very like B budget like story that. They didn't even try to spice up in any great way. There's, uh, I, I would have wished they would have made it like bad enough that they they tried to do something grand and failed. This is just really lazy, and I'm surprised that they got uh, Edward Norton, Paul Giamatti, and Rufus Sewell to all agree to do this shit fest. <laughs> Very crazy to me. I mean, so we're like we're we're ten minutes in on movies. Uh, I'll give you the last word since you had the illusionist. I assume you put that on there. This was a test. And you wanted to have one bad movie on that list. Uh, so uh, any any last thoughts before we get in and talk about the NFL? What's the what's the rating out of five uh, orange tree plants? It gets like a two just because there were moments where the actors were successful, but the rest of it is shit. All right. Uh, that, that's all we need. And you will get your next movie. Actually, have you? Oh, there was a. Uh, have you seen The Usual Suspects? Yes. All right. You brought that up last one. Okay. Yeah, seen it. Have you seen Rounders? Because that's an Edward Norton movie that's I, <sighs> that I saw on Netflix for free. Yeah, I'll watch Rounders. That's one that's been on my list. The, the Ringer staff always talks about it, so I always feel out of the loop whenever I'm listening to their podcast. Actually, uh, Bill Simmons is a big Rounders fan. Actually, no, we're gonna cut that. Have you seen Spot? <laughs> have you seen Spotlight? Yeah. Okay, never mind. We're going back to Rounders. I've seen a lot of movies, Bobby. Like, uh, it's kind of, it's my bigger passion. I don't know if anybody noticed, but there's a reason my NFL takes suck. It's because every time I think I'm going to watch a uh, game film, I watch actual films. <laughs> uh, so we, we are going to talk about the NFL right now. Big week, a lot of crazy stuff, a lot of upsets, uh, heartbreaks for myself. Uh, and then obviously we have some news that is, you know, connected to football, but is, is not part of the weekly stuff. Uh, Colin Kaepernick, we're going to get to that at some point in the show. Uh, but I think we'll just start out and we're going to talk about, uh, some of the, the, the different games that happened on Sunday, obviously upsets when you talk about my Chiefs losing to the Titans in the most Chiefs way possible. Uh, I, I don't think, I even for Andy Reid, I think the end of that game was super extraordinary for how it ended. But before we get into any of the games, I want to bring up the obvious elephant in the room because you were a Dak Prescott stan account. You, <laughs> you went... <laughs> overboard with the memes, you know. I don't I, think I went overboard. I, Listen, uh, I, I have 80,000 uh, Twitter uh, impressions from uh, just one day. Yes, but in, you went overboard with That's the memes. That's called success, Bobby. You, I know you got all the clout right now, but something drastic happened. The uh, Mac, your Mac, called me a boomer. You mean Kinsey? I'm Mac. She's Kinsey. We're adorable. Okay. The, she didn't... In fairness, it's it's okay, Boomer. In this case, you were going with as old man of a take as you could, yes. and she put you in your place. But that's, age doesn't she, matter. She went beyond the pale, and I demand satisfaction. Uh, she'll just do it again in uh, form of a duel. A duel, or you could say a fan duel <laughs> for one fillet of fish next week. Okay, are you gonna accept the challenge as her champion in her stead? 
I don't understand what you're saying. What's the fan duel? Like, what's the, the we will do a head to head fan duel competition. All right, I like that. That adds something. Adds a little bit something for our fans to follow on to. I will only do it if you actively update it. I need uh, tweets of the scores. Uh, doesn't have to be every hour. Maybe every two hours or after. You do it after each set of games. I don't care. Well. Uh, First off, I will figure out if we can even get on the FanDuel app and do a free matchup. If not, we will. I will just have you send it me a FanDuel lineup, and I will keep track of that. All right, we'll, we'll figure out how to do it. Um, so yeah, that was. Uh, I didn't want to bring up how uh, famous I got overnight. No, I. Why, was, uh, why, why do you even have me on the show anymore? Just remember, as little people, when you get to like a hundred thousand impressions. So. <laughs> Uh, that one was uh, good. Mostly, I was just proud of myself. I had to figure out how to grab the the video because, like, you can't download the Twitter video. You can like go and make your own like GIF. But I noticed everybody's was the same clip. You know, it starts in the same spot, same like quality. I'm like, how the hell do you do this? And you just Google it, like how to rip a Twitter video. And sure enough, one of the sites pop up. Same one I've been using all like for the last like ten years to do like YouTube to MB- MP3. Yeah, you know. And those sites have all gone to hell, and most of them don't work. But first site I found for the Twitter video rip, it grabbed the video. I pulled it out, threw it into iMovie, and from there, very easy to make a dozen different uh, Dak Prescott dancing to to various I think uh, it, songs. I think it was at least six hundred, and we knew I, that it was six. The total was six. And in fairness. I had about six more. I had some good ones. I had a few that were a little too racy and I couldn't pull off. I wanted to do Pretty Fly for a White Guy, but I felt like I was the wrong person to uh, put that uh, on there with Dak Prescott dancing. Uh, there was a, there was a lot of good stuff that uh, you know was left on the cutting room floor. Did you did you do the Shakira song? No, I, that was one I like. So there were ones already coming through, and I'm not gonna like waste my time to make one that somebody already did. Uh, it also just seemed like the most obvious one. So I was trying to go a little bit uh, you know deeper. A uh, little trying to trying to make it a little bit better. I started out just the Alanis Morissette one, which it in the end only got like thirty six likes, but it was still my favorite just because lining up Dak Prescott going to Alanis Morissette like that that's a good time. That just made me laugh. It didn't need to make other make other people think it was funny and to 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 engage with it on Twitter. But I thought it was good. Uh, most of the ideas were Kinsey. She was just nailing it. She's much better at finding which part of the song. Like, I was just going to start with intros to a bunch of stuff. She, no, she's no. like, no, no. She found the exact moment that the right words fit with what's going on. And, yeah, the salt and pepper uh, shoop. Uh, she picked the perfect uh, spot for that to jump in. So very proud of that. Uh, felt a little cheesy with the the one that got the most likes was just, yeah, um, you know, you, you get a little little uh little John in there and people people are just liking it all day and it's the least creative of all the ones I put on there. See, if you really wanted to sell out, you would have did uh what's that? Uh Japanese Chinese BTS? The sure. the K pop group. Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. Okay, yeah. Every time I see like a tweet that has like ten thousand likes, it's just a random picture. So. Yeah, uh Dak Prescott with the what's the um what was like the first one of those K-pop songs that got like super huge? Gangnam Style? Yeah. Like, I assume somebody did it, you know, but that one's perfect. Um, you know, I had a bunch of, I, 
I forgot them now, but I had a handful of like really good ones that were just like, man, if I wouldn't have already made like eight of these, I would have I would have hit a few more. So it so. sounds like the fans want to see these unreleased tapes. <laughs> Some of them I didn't actually make. I just you know it's like I thought about it and it just didn't happen. And I'm not going back to do anymore. Uh, I had a good time while it happened. Uh, it got me met three followers despite all of the Twitter engagement. So <laughs> apparently it's not really worth a damn. Uh, but it was a good time. Now let's actually talk football. Uh, sorry for everybody who's already turned off and has given up on us because we don't even have good content when we do talk about football. And in this case, we're just going 20 minutes about garbage. But uh, starting out, Chiefs game, God, it, it it's a tough one to figure out because I'm going to try to break this down. You know, Mahomes, uh, he was banged up before the freak knee dislocation in Denver. Like, the Chiefs lost back-to-back games against the Colts and Texans. They were in trouble when that happened. All of a sudden, you insert Matt Moore, and they finished off the Broncos. They nearly beat the Packers, and they took down the Vikings. So going 2-1 and one in that stretch was pretty remarkable. And somehow Matt Moore, like, is playing out of his mind, and that was actually less surprising than the fact that the defense finally started showing up. Forget that on Sunday facing the Titans. Mahomes comes out, and actually – you're worried about how he's going to play coming off the injury. He delivers a stellar performance, uh, statistically one of his best, 36 of 50, 446 yards, three TDs, and like it's fucking nuts because somehow they still lose to Ryan Tannehill and the Titans. Well, to be fair, they lost to Derrick Henry and Andy Reid play calling. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, it was Ryan Tannehill who ran down. He had his biggest runs on that final drive. He uh, got it into the end zone, and, you know, uh, it, it it's crazy, and I don't want to start talking like Skip Bayless, but he always takes something that's real, and he starts using it as a foundation for his batshit crazy takes. <laughs> and that truth is, this Chiefs team doesn't have the same urgency when Mahomes is in the game. This defense told on themselves with how good they played in those other three games, and you know, just like Chiefs fans, that defense trusts in Mahomes just a little too damn much. I Like... He's great, but even he needs help. And, you know, the effort that they had with Mahomes out, like, that's effort that should be there all the time. And that doesn't just fall on the players. It falls on the coaches. They need to hold these players accountable because even a decent defense, that would make this team with Mahomes and company, and make them world beaters. And instead, with a 31st-strength defense, they will constantly be in 50-50 games, even against average teams. Math says you don't make the Super Bowl that way. Yeah, and I think... It's maybe not the defense isn't playing as hard because maybe this is not a Nick Foles versus Carson Wentz situation where the Eagles clearly played harder for Nick Foles. I think that when Patrick Mahomes is on the field, the opposing teams have to run the ball so much more, and that tires down this defense that's already terrible. So when it comes to the fourth quarter where they need those stops against, you know, Ryan Tannehill, who on that last drive in the two-point conversion absolutely just ran through the Chiefs defense and I believe trucked a defender and carried him for like two or three yards. That's pretty embarrassing. But, I mean, are we really going to worry about this defense yet again? I think you you start have to. At 6-4, and if the Colts are healthy, the Texans are an issue for the second seed, all of a sudden, you know, the, the Raiders actually look like a threat for the AFC West just based off how terribly... This defense is playing. We know what Mahomes can do, obviously. I don't even think this defense could stop Josh Jacobs and Derek Carr at this point. Yeah, and 
once again, it's it's if they can find a way to play like they did those three games with Mahomes out. If you're right, and part of it is just you know the way teams try to combat Mahomes via their offense, uh, that that could be possible p- part of it. Uh, Mahomes, just the way that he scores so fast, gets the defense out there faster. These are all factors. But at the end of the day, when Mahomes puts up that much, when you score thirty plus, and that's still you're still able to be beat by a Titans team. Uh, that's a problem. Uh, also, you add in the special teams, which is almost is never an issue. Uh, David Taub uh, is one of the best special teams coordinators in the league. Uh, generally, the Chiefs are one of the best. Of all of their problems, special teams is not it. And in this game, uh, they were awful. That uh, was a huge factor in them losing not just the two field goals at the end, but you got uh, Miko Hardman uh, calling a fair catch at the two-yard line, like something <laughs> that just should never, ever happen. Well, I mean, we obviously we have to talk about the biggest, you know, special teams blunder that I've ever seen was the on that field goal at the end where it was going to make it a eight-point game. They snapped the ball too early, and Cole Quinn, instead of just eating it, shit his pants a little bit, threw the ball away, and got a 15-yard intentional grounding. I think. It, in the moment, I try to defend Cole Quick because it's the long snapper's fault. And when you're a, like, you're a punter and you just got the ball and you fell on your ass and like you're going to do something stupid. you know? And, just, and stay, his, just stay on your ass at that point. Probably. But you know, you, you think that there, there's a benefit to throwing the ball away, to not losing 15 yards. And yeah, you got to know that if you just throw it randomly out of bounds, that's intentional grounding. But in the moment, you're not prepared for that. Uh, I'm not gonna. Like, it was the worst possible reaction, but it's also not something that's like, how did this happen? Well, it happened because he's a punter, and he should have never been put in that situation that way. Um, I think even even bigger is just that it's it was so many special teams miscues, and you know, you get to the final one, you get the the field goal blocked. And, you know, it, it was just a it was a comedy of errors at that point. And I just don't that we've never seen that from this chief special team. So hopefully they get that fixed. And with, you know, that margin of error defense couldn't pl- possibly play worse than they just did. So you get that going. And if Mahomes is playing the way he's playing, I don't think the Raiders are the, the fear. But when you're talking about how you compete with the other top teams in the AFC, uh, there are a lot of problems they need to fix that they that they truly expect to be a Super Bowl caliber team. Uh, one that did prove themselves to 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 be in that air, uh, the Ravens with uh, Lamar Jackson just uh, destroying, uh, getting himself clearly, uh, you know, one of the front runners in the MVP race. Uh, he captured everybody's attention with you know runs like that spin move touchdown, uh, but he's also had two of the best games of 2019 based on QBR. It's rare to see a guy like Lamar Jackson that you know he was a Heisman winner, probably should have won it twice. Uh, and he delivers in the NFL, you know, up to the most extreme projections. And that's both positively and negatively. We talked about this before. Last year, he played as bad as the the haters would have suggested he would play when he got drafted. This year, he's playing up to what the people said. This is a rare talent. You should, you know, get him, build something around him. You can do great things. Ravens decided to do that this year. And right now, uh, they're front runners. And, you know, I... I Normally, I'd find whatever negative things to say. The defense is even really good right now. You know, they they found the right grouping of ex Chiefs cornerbacks. I'm not salty at all. And <laughs> they, how do you think the Rams feel now that they got rid of Marcus Peters and all of a sudden he's an All Pro again? Well, I mean, I think they all knew. I mean, that that's one of those ones where people will try to peg it as, "Oh, look at you, you messed up." They messed up in getting him in the first place. I mean, I know that it's still 
a bad Chiefs trade in terms of the value they got out of him, but it was also a bad trade for the the Rams because they knew they weren't going to play Marcus Peters in the style of offense that works for him. They're not going to let him do what he does best, which isn't be a lockdown cover corner. It's being the type of guy who will take chances, will get you pick sixes, and he's got a lot of them this year. And that that sort of turnover machine is more his game. And this Ravens defense letting him play it because they have an offense that's going to run the ball. They're going to control the clock. They're going to score enough points. And on defense, you steal a couple possessions. You need that more than uh, trying to shut down uh, the top offense of the NFL. Perfect. It, it's a perfect pairing for Marcus Peters to go there. That was not the perfect pairing for what the Rams were trying to do. And so it makes sense that they they sent him off. And you know, right now I'm just sitting there because I'm like. Marcus Peters would be really helpful for this Chiefs offense right now. Yeah, but you guys got Chatavius Ward, so I mean, it, it's it's a uh, yeah, equal, it's yeah, a tick yeah, for tack. Same, same value, same value. <laughs> uh, so what, what do you what do you think right now? We you know we just saw you know two two wins against the Bengals that don't matter, but those are like bookends for two wins against the Seahawks against the Patriots. Well, like, are the are the Ravens right now the best team in the AFC? Or is it still you know the, we just think the Patriots? took a step back because they lost to the Ravens and then they had a bye week, so now we're just kind of like, let's just make up new power rankings. Let's move the, the, the Patriots down to like four in the AFC. See, you know, last time I tried to jump on this Ravens and Lamar Jackson bandwagon, they absolutely played down to the Steelers and the Bengals and looked terrible for like four games. So, sorry, Ravens. I tried you guys once. I'm going to have to wait for you to get that number one seed for you to say you're the best team in the AFC. I think they're currently playing the best, but like I said, I hopped on that bandwagon. Early in the season, I made myself look bad. I, I refuse to be positive about a team until they absolutely dominate the NFL. So I'm going to say they're probably going to be there, just not yet. All right. So I've decided to stop talking about uh, crappy games. So we're just going to go. We do have to throw in a new segment. I was forced to bet on this game because the line was too good, and I had to bet on the Bears, and I bet on Mitchell Trubisky. So this is officially Trubisky watch. You got outdueled by Jeff Driscoll. You somehow won that game. Mitch Trubisky, you, like kickers, should not be in the NFL. We can move on now. All right, fair enough. Uh, let's talk about – I, I, I got to watch some of that Packers-Panthers uh, game. Uh, uh, 24-16 win for the Packers. Uh, right now you have a Packers defense that is – uh, playing pretty well. I wouldn't necessarily put them as an elite defense like, say, the 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 Patriots or the 49ers, but they're, they're pretty good, better than we've seen through most of Aaron Rodgers' career in Green Bay. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, they're not playing the way that we normally expect from the Packers with Aaron Rodgers just sitting back there throwing it 40 times and, you know... Well, winning and losing based off of his arm. It's because I drafted you, Aaron Jones. That I, must be it. I'm uh, I'm just saying. I, I knew what was coming, man. I knew this was coming. Aaron, Aaron Jones is now the fo- focal point of the Packers offense because I drafted him for your fantasy football team. Must be it. Must be it. The only explanation. So right now, I mean, it is. It's, it's Aaron Jones' offense, and, you know, when Aaron Rodgers needs to turn it on, he can, uh, and he, he, he has, and that – Makes the Packers seem to be a very scary team. Eight and two, uh, getting a good win against the the, the Panthers. Uh, you know the the problem being it's figuring out where the Panthers are when they're a five and four team that Kyle Allen is the the quarterback. And you know we kind of gone back and forth on whether we think he's completely uh, displaced Cam Newton as I, the starter of the Panthers when he returns from injury. I think we could say after that drive at the end of the game where they probably should have got a touchdown. It was just the replay angles kind of screwed them a little bit. I think this game cements Kyle Allen as the uh, Panthers starter in the future and 
welcome to Chicago, Cam Newton. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, before now, people might have accused you for a hot take. It seems a lot of people are saying, a lot of people are looking at it. And just the idea that maybe, you know, Cam Newton just needs a new place to go. He needs new scenery. He needs to try something different. Panthers have found a guy, at the very least, you know, we, we know the benefit of having a guy, if he's playing above his contract as a rookie, uh, you know, they, like whatever the, the, you know, salaries are that works out for you like it's hard to turn that down it's hard to be like oh let's go back to the guy who's you know a 30 million dollar guy who's playing you know like a 10 million dollar guy why don't we give the guy who maybe is playing like a 10 million dollar guy and we're not paying him shit uh seems like the right guy to keep easier to build a team around that and you take your chances so the panthers may have i don't know if it was that drive that they they decided that but you got to think that that's you know right there is you know Pretty good option for this Carolina team. Uh, going down the list, uh, Steelers, Rams. Uh, Steelers somehow have gotten themselves back into the playoff picture. Uh, I think this game was honestly more about just how toasted this Rams offense is with no offensive line. Sean McVay doesn't have the magic anymore. I think we finally see the true Jared Goth of what happens when he doesn't have all-world talent around him. Todd Gurley looks pretty much done. And uh, I don't Todd Gurley looked done? He, he ran six yards of carry. He's done because they're not handing him the ball. I say that's why he looked done. This offense just looked terrible. I'm going to probably say Todd Gurley doesn't look that great, probably because his knees are terrible and they keep him on load management. So it's not the same offense they had last year where this dude was running for, you know, 20 carries, 120 plus yards a game or whatever it was. And I, man, I think Sean McVay should feel it, should be feeling the hot seat a little bit because they went all in on this team in the past couple of years and they're probably going to get zero for it. Yeah, and there's uh there's probably like thirty other uh coaches on the hot seat now because they all got hired because of Sean McVay. And <laughs> now they're all in trouble. But they all look better than him. Look at his, you know, discount McVay. Cliff Kingsbury's doing better in Arizona right now. So you you pointed out for the Rams, but we gotta talk about the Steelers right now because I mean, yes, this Rams offense is not what they were, but this Steelers defense, it doesn't matter who they're facing. Uh, they've been locked down ever since the the Minka Fitzpatrick trade. They have uh, found a way to get themselves back into playoff contention with Mason Rudolph at quarterback, uh, with no uh, you know consistent run game. Right, you know, right now it's Samuel's fourteen attempts, twenty nine yards. You don't they like won that? that football game. I mean, it was it was a game, all right. I don't know how much football was being played. They they had a, a whopping total of eight points in the second half. But, you know, we talk about defensive player of the year, and we said no one separated themselves. Once, you know, kind of I looked at Mick Fitzpatrick, I looked at his stats, I looked at what he did for the Steelers' defense. He kind of flew under the radar for me because he was that weird Dolphins sell-off trade. I wasn't really paying attention to him. And it is the Steelers about Ben Roethlisberger. But I think right now Fitzpatrick probably has to be the defensive player of the year. Yeah, I mean, uh, if he's not, he's right there. Uh, there's a handful of viable candidates, but if he keeps playing the way that he's playing, no doubt uh, he's right there. Uh, the the other couple games, I'm going to try to tie these all together. Dolphins 16-12 to win over the Colts. Uh, just a, a tear from Ryan Fitzpatrick. 169 yards, one interception to get himself that victory there. Well, Fitzmagic. Well, let's, uh, let's not ignore the rushing game. They had... <laughs> Ballage had 20 attempts for 43 yards. This was just a juggernaut of a game for offense. You didn't mention that you you drafted him for my team. Is that why he he came on so strong this week? (laughs) Yeah. 
Of course. So I also want to mention Raiders Chargers. Raiders get the win 26-24 with the Chargers. So right now uh, we have three five and four teams in the AFC that are seemingly at, at, at different places. Uh, Raiders on the come up. Steelers on the come up. Colts uh, at one point looked like they were a, a contender. Uh, then you lose uh, Jacoby Brissett, and now you're falling out of it. If you had to pick one of these teams to make the playoffs, who do you have? Well, the sneaky thing is actually to pick the Dolphins at 9-7. and seven. That's not bad. That's I, not, like I, I like it's it. I like it. It's magic. I like it because only Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick could ruin a tank that hard, and only Miami can mess it up that hard. But I think right now it has to be out of those three. I think it's going to be the Raiders. Because Derek Carr is playing out of his mind in this John Gruden offense. The team's jowling a little bit. They are buying into the system. We kind of clowned on John Gruden and Mike Mayock as a coach-GM combo. They didn't look like they were going to gel really well in hard knocks. But right now, it's just working. I mean, they beat the Chargers by two. You could take that probably with a grain of salt because it is Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. Instead of them missing a field goal at the end of the game, Phillip Rivers just decided to save everyone the heartache and just throw a pick at the end to seal it. So, you know, I'll buy into the Raiders. Why not? I won't buy into the Ravens, but sure, let's buy into John Gruden and the Raiders. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like I have to go with the Steelers just because they're the only one with something that's dominant. That defense is dominant right now. And, yeah, you're tr- going to have to rely on Mason Rudolph and then, you know, with how average the the rushing attack has been even over those wins, uh, it's hard to imagine that being a team that can make a deep run. But to make a playoff run in this AFC that is just full of mediocre teams, uh, you know, you we haven't even talked about the Buffalo Bills and their potential to plummet from their six and two start. I mean, they did just lose to the Browns. Yeah, we're we're gonna talk about that in a second. Uh, Steelers with at least that dominant defense, I know I can trust them. The Raiders, I know they have you know multiple games against the Chiefs, so those are you know uh, unless the Chiefs are even worse off than I'm thinking right now. Uh, those are most likely losses for the Raiders. So just in terms of schedule, I think the Steelers can put it together uh, enough to just keep winning games against average teams, just you know making it where those teams beat themselves. And I, I, I'm probably going to go with the Steelers on this one. In terms of the, the Bills, which, which team do you are you taking more away from this game? Is it, is it more of a positive sign that the Browns uh, figured enough out to beat a team that has you know only lost two games at that point in the year? Or is it more about the Buffalo Bills being exactly who we thought they were? Um, you know, I would say this was a impressive victory for the Browns. But then again, we have to remember the Browns had first and goal or some form of end goal. Was it six or eight times in a row? And they failed on eight straight attempts to not get a touchdown. So I think it was the Bills regressing to the meme, Mac. All right. Uh, next up, Saints uh, getting that upset. Uh, Falcons beat them 26-9. to nine. Uh, uh, in my opinion, I'm just gonna say mine real quick. It's it's Matt Ryan. The idea I we get the Falcons are bad, but any given Sunday, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones can put on a clinic. Uh, it, it's it's definitely bad that they they lost. So uh, you know, 26 nine is pretty bad. But Drew Brees the first game back. Saints. We saw what they did. Honestly, the fact that they're seven and two is such a miracle that I'm not going to be like, oh, maybe we were wrong about them because they lost against a team an offense that came in. Uh, you know, had it go in that game. Flukes happen in the NFL. I'm not. I'm not taking much away from it. I'm just throwing the game away because I think it is one of those one-off games. Like that, it is NFL. Any given Sunday, any team can win. Any team can play really bad, like the Saints just did. I'm gonna throw it away. 
it doesn't matter. If the offense shows up next week and they just do nothing again, I think then this game matters a little bit. But no, I don't I don't care about the result of this game. I still think the Saints are an elite team. All right, last game we would talk about from this week, Seahawks, 49ers. Uh, this one was crazy going down the stretch. And a 27-24 victory for the Seahawks in overtime with the field goal. Uh, first loss for the 49ers. Uh, this one might have a little impact on our power rankings when we get to that here in a second, but when you watch this game and you watch what Russell Wilson is capable of doing, uh, one, I have to ask, do you think he's the MVP right now? And then number two, uh, is is this a formula that can work right now, obviously being 8-2 and two and having just these games where they, they come out just so slow and by the end of the game they can put it on uh, do, you, do you think that's a formula for the Seahawks to actually make a deep run? I think it is because usually Russell Wilson has to, you know, come back from down 10 or down 14, whatever. They were up 21 to 10 in, at the end of the third. This was a game where the 49ers had to come back. I think if we're talking about sustainability, we know what Russell Wilson can do for this team. Uh, can Jimmy Garoppolo and this offense, you know, down 14, down 10, whatever, do the same thing Russell Wilson can. At 8-1, and one, if they continue to fall behind in games just with how bad this offense has looked in points for most of the season outside that one, you know, 50-point explosion where Bruce Irvin didn't say they're world beaters, maybe they aren't world beaters. Maybe they just beat up on the Carolina Panthers for just one game. So I think if we're talking about sustainability, I will buy into Russell Wilson and the Seahawks offense infinitely more than I will buy into Jimmy Garoppolo and this 49ers offense. So I, I think a lot of people have, you know, uh, I, I don't know if they changed their opinion on Jimmy Garoppolo in recent games, but definitely uh, enough ammunition to attack him if you thought he, he wasn't a great quarterback. And a lot of what we had heard from people was that this defense is so good and they have enough weapons on offense that uh, Jimmy G is good enough. That that. I, I did hear that a decent amount, but now they've definitely attacked him and then coming off a loss. But in a game where you end up scoring, you know, 14 points in the fourth to to even get it to overtime, it, was it that bad of a performance that Jimmy G makes you think that, like, despite all the things around him, that this is a team that's not, you know, the still the best in the NFC? I, I think that when push comes to shove, Jimmy G hasn't done anything that says like, all right, this guy can put the team on his back for 400 yards this season. He can put it on the back for four touchdowns if need be. Even in this game, he still had a pedestrian, 250 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He he hasn't had one of those games like he had in New England when he filled in a Brady for those, you know, like six quarters or whatever it was. And he just lit up the NFL for a game and a half. And like, it was like, this is a guy who can put up points. I believe, you know, in that uh, half a game against the Dolphins, I, I want to say he threw like three touchdowns in the first half. That's just going off the top of my head. It was two or three, and he looked infinitely better than what he has in this 49ers offense, which, you know, maybe Kyle Shanahan protecting him because they know what they can do with the defense. So maybe he, they're saying, all right, Jimmy, come out here, you know, check it down. Don't do much. Don't turn the ball over. Don't lose games because this defense will help you. So, you know, right now I think he's probably an average quarterback. A lower Dak Prescott right now for what he's doing in the offense. All right, good transition, Dak Prescott. There was one more game that we should talk about. Uh, the one that gave me that great meme that uh, increased my Twitter presence. Uh, Vikings Cowboys, a a thriller. It was it was very fun to watch. Um, the going down the stretch though, so, uh, Vikings end up uh, holding off the Cowboys twenty eight twenty four, and this was a game that. Uh, 
was interesting for two reasons. One, the story is that Kirk Cousins can't uh, beat teams with a winning record, uh, especially not in prime time. And in this game, he did both. Uh, but at the same time, he didn't look all that great. Dalvin Cook did a uh, majority of the work. But, you know, 20, 220 yards, two TDs, uh, didn't do it very efficiently. But he got the job done. And then on the other side, you have a Cowboys team that, uh, you know, the, the Vikings defense uh, took away Ezekiel Elliott and, you know, put the pressure on Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott performed. Dak Prescott, when you talk about, you know, the, the pedestrian-style effort, you try to rip down Jimmy G uh, by bringing in uh, Dak Prescott into the, the conversation. Dak Prescott looked like a top-five quarterback in that game. That doesn't mean he is a top-five quarterback. But 397 yards, three TDs, one interception, and some of those throws when he's throwing it to Amari Cooper on the edge, uh, a lot of that's Amari Cooper, but even getting the ball into that position consistently throughout this game, uh, he did everything he needed to do to win. So uh, what's the the bigger takeaway from this game? The Deck Prescott can play at that level and deliver at that level, or that Kirk Cousins, even when he's bad, has finally found that right medium to still deliver the Vikings wins and now against a team that was above 500. Uh, you know, I no, I can't trust Kirk Cousins. Let's let's brush him to the side. I think this game highlights, even though Dak Prescott is not a forty million dollar quarterback, I don't think he's a thirty million dollar quarterback. I think this game highlighted how just god awful that Ezekiel Elliott contract looks right now because this is clearly you know Dak Prescott's offense now. Usually in games where you know Ezekiel Elliott has twenty carries for seven yards, you expect you know Dak Prescott to have hundred fifty yards because he's not going to do anything. This guy threw up four hundred. So at this point, not to get into a long running back debate, and we already know your opinion that running backs don't matter. Correct, but this was one that you know I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I feel like we were on uh, pretty pretty close to a similar opinion when we talked about it. With the way the team was built, with you know, everything that was going down, we thought it made much more sense for Ezekiel Elliott to get paid and Dak Prescott not to uh, because you could build around this uh, running back and then you can kind of just gamble with it, find a quarterback that fits, and Dak Prescott was never going to be worth the, that high contract of the $30 million range. So right now, is this like just 100% proof that you should just never give the running back whatever contract? Like, however good they are, they're going to run themselves into the ground by the time they prove they're worth it? And any contract you give them will end up just being a waste of money. Is it is it just becoming this league that a hundred percent, no matter how good that running back is, you should probably just, you know, cut ties with them once they get to that contract year, and you know whoever you fill in will get enough of the value there. It's it's never worth signing them. I I I would say ninety nine point nine percent of the time it's not worth giving them. Uh big elite money and I don't think Ezekiel Elliott's supposed to boy for this because I think he is worth a bunch of money just not as much as he got at the Cowboys I think if you want to point to a running back like that's the reason you don't pay look at David Johnson this dude was running against the Buccaneers like he had a fridge on his back I saw a uh a replay of one one play he got a uh zone read handoff whatever you want to call it the dude was running in the backfield like I'd be running in the backfield and then a little bit slower like hit some end in his shoes so yeah, running backs, you know, in my opinion, will never matter because you can have someone like, you know, I saw an ESPN article about one-hit wonders. You can have a Jonas Gray any day of the week. It doesn't matter. And then you can throw him away. You paid him, you know, $200,000, whatever it was. You could have a James Conner any day of the week. You could have Jalen Samuels for the Steelers catching whatever it was a couple of weeks ago, like 13 passes out of the backfield. Look at, you know, Le'Veon Bell and the Jets. Look at any other high, highly paid running back. I'll bring the list next week. They're all injured or unperforming, so there's just no reason to pay them. 
running backs don't matter and kickers shouldn't exist. Yeah, and it's so strange with uh, somebody like David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell because they weren't just bell cow backs. I mean, they were guys who were productive in the passing game. So you figured that could be something that long-term, you know, was sustainable. But once they kind of lose that, you know, value in the backfield, there there are other receiving threats that are so much better. Part of the ability for them to do so well as receivers is, you know, uh, teams bite really hard on the play action uh, to go after the the running back when they see that it's, uh, not a running play. They have to, uh, you know, just hit reverse and get back as quick as they can. And at that point, a you know, a David Johnson or a Le'Veon Bell slides out of the backfield. No plays open down the field. They hit them. They 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 have so much room to work. And when you're not able to do the run side of it, once you've kind of lost that step, or you know, just have been keyed on well enough, whatever it is, uh, the, these guys are very quickly just not worth it. When, like you said. You can get an undrafted rookie. The Chiefs, uh, you know, a few years ago, uh, you know, you're moving on from Jamal Charles and you're throwing in two undrafted rookies in uh, Spencer Ware and Shark Hendrick West. Most people can't pronounce his name as he's, you know, having uh, just tremendous performances. And that only lasted a year for both of those guys. Uh, and, you know, that's good enough. If, you, if you've if you done well enough, you scouted well enough to, to have a crop of guys that, one, are on your roster going into the season, two, that you just – you kind of know which guys to to have on your scout team. Uh, you can have guys that fill the role well enough that they're they're not going to be the game changers. But the the only game changers that matter are quarterbacks right now. Quarterbacks and edge rushers, the only two positions. If we're going to boil it down, that that that's pretty much it. And yeah, right now Ezekiel Elliott, uh, that's looking like a horrendous contract and put them in a in a terrible spot. Uh, that those are all the games I want to talk about for this week. We can uh, jump into. Uh, uh, you want to do power rankings before we do the hypothetical sports bets? Yeah, we can we can just throw in the power rankings real quick. I, I don't unless we have something too egregious. I don't think we should ever spend you know that much time on it because I I feel like especially in this season that they should be pretty similar because it's the big boys at top and then it's kind of like the little fish in the pond of everyone else and that's at least my opinion. But then again, I'm gonna also sneak in like the dolphins into my top five one of these weeks and see if you notice. Good plan. I like that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'll go first because ladies go first. So, uh, yeah, with the 49ers losing, I'm going to put the uh, Patriots back up top at number one because I am a homer, and I see they are playing the Eagles this week. So I pray to God they just beat them down like 42 to nothing because, you know, I hate Philadelphia fans. But we're moving on from that before I get a uh, into a huge rant. But Philly fans are just as bad as Cowboys fans. And uh, at number two, I'm going to go with the Ravens right now because I am putting them above the 49ers. I was expecting a bit of a letdown. I took the Bengals in the Bobby's Hypothetical Sports Bets last week. It's more of a meme than anything. I thought I had a little bit of a chance to get there, but, you know, no, Lamar Jackson, that offense, absolutely blew them out of the water, put up another great performance. He is not in Russell Wilson's level of MVP right now, but he's just right behind him. At number three, I'm going to have the 49ers. I don't think they're going to fall too much because you saw what the Saints did against the Falcons. They died absolutely a death in that game. So I can't put the Saints over them this week. But I can't put the Saints at number four because, you know, why not? I still think they're fantastic. I still think they have a great defense. I'm going to trust Breeze and Kamara to get it back going this week. I was just expecting that to be one of those blow-off games where they just have a bad performance whatever you want to call it, and it doesn't really matter. Then at number five, I'm going to 
I'm going to throw in the Vikings at number five because why not? You know, I got to I gotta curse Kirk, Kirk Cousins a little bit. So let's let's put him in at number five. The throwaway pick. Uh, number one, I'm just going to go to the Patriots. I feel like, like you said previously, the, the Ravens loss wasn't that big of a deal. And the you know, week off, I think now we're just kind of like, oh, who, who's who's still the top team? We haven't seen the Patriots win in two weeks. Isn't that crazy? I, uh, I, think- I, I do want to – you brought that up, and I thought this was a funny stat. For whatever reason, this is like dumb stat of the week. People are saying like, oh, the Dolphins are playing better in the Patriots November. They have two wins, and the Patriots <laughs> only have one – or zero, rather. I'm like – Patriots only have played one yeah. game. I mean, yeah, it's it's stupid. Uh, right now, uh, Seahawks number two. I know that's uh pretty crazy, but I think with the way they beat the 49ers, the way that they've looked in so many games, have been able to find a way to win. Uh, I, I, you know, easily could be a house of cards, but right now, uh, they pull it off so often that I'm gonna give them uh the nod. And I know that yo, it probably should be the Ravens. The Ravens are doing so good. I'm gonna put them at three. Uh, I think that Patriots was a big win. Uh, you know, the, the Seahawks, they beat them. So they, somehow they're behind my two top teams. Uh, I, I think that the resume speaks really well. And like you brought up earlier, the Ravens had those games early in the season where they played poorly. Uh, maybe they got over that. Maybe they figured it out. And so now they, they are just, uh, you know, the elite of the NFL, but I'm, I want to give it a few more weeks and, uh, see what's up. 49ers are dropped them to four for similar reasons that when we had, I had them at one last week, uh, Put them there because they were undefeated. Now that they lost that undefeated label, we know we have a bunch of games against really bad teams. Their marquee win being against the Panthers, and then you have the the Seahawks coming in. And while it was close, don't think the 49ers should drop that far. Like it shouldn't be a three uh, team drop from losing to the Seahawks. It's mostly that I didn't really want them at number one to begin with, and then number five. It probably is the Saints. I don't want to take too much from losing to the Falcons, but that's another team that as you're making that transition, you're maybe losing the mojo trying to get Drew Brees back in. I expect them to uh, be back in the top five and stay in the top five for the rest of the year. But for right now, I'm going to go to the Packers. Ooh. They just they look really good right now. And I think with the way that team is built, uh, you know, until I see some bigger flaw, they're, they're probably the team with the least problems. Uh, maybe not the best team right now, but they're just you, you got the passing game when you need it. Aaron Jones is playing out of his mind right now, and the defense has not been really shredded by anybody so far this year. So right now I have them right there. Uh, it's a little questionable, but that's that's my five. All right, I like it. And is is it time for the most monotone minutes of your life? Oh yes, it is. Okay, it's Bobby's hypothetical sports bets. Bobby's hypothetical sports bets. Yeah, that's that's too much energy for this segment. But I would like to update the past three weeks uh, in my personal sports betting, uh, my personal hypothetical sports betting, of course, naturally. I am up 900 U.S. dollars, and uh, I may have put like 400 bucks on the Bears because Stafford was out, so that skewed my winnings from last week. I was up $200 from last week, but we're moving on. I believe... I am up $9 for the season. My uh, Word document finally gave out, so it had to revert to an older one from our picks from two weeks ago. So I will have to go back and check last week's picks to make sure. So we're going to say it's a tentative $9 lead for me. That doesn't matter, though, because, Mac, we got an exciting Thursday night game. For some ungodly reason, the Browns are favored. 
against the Steelers in Cleveland. You have the Browns minus three. Who do you have, Mac? I take the Steelers. Okay, I figured that one was a no doubter. So we're just uh we're gonna move on. I wanted to take this Cowboys Lions game, but ESPN doesn't have a line on it. Ooh. I don't know why. So uh, I think it's because Stafford may or may not play. Yeah, but I thought there uh, was a official line, you know, and I'm not gonna. I, I have a. Uh, it's. I thought it was Cowboys minus five based on the CBS uh, line I'm seeing right now, but. Okay, the line I I saw was uh, Cowboys minus three and a half. So we're gonna we're gonna wait till Saturday, and I'll tweet at you with the line for yeah. a little bonus bet. But since I am a uh, masochist, I see a nice little sexy bet. We have the Bills at the Dolphins. The Bills are minus six and a half. I want to go with the Dolphins. Don't, Cheeky. Don't don't laugh. Respect the bet. It's I said it's the beginning of the nine seven run. Where the uh, Miami Dolphins win the AFC East? Because why not? <laughs> Did you know that Ryan Fitzpatrick has thrown eight interceptions this year? Is that good or bad for him? Well, he hasn't played enough to have thrown eight interceptions. <laughs> eight touchdowns, eight interceptions. He he like had to make up for the fact that he hadn't played before that. So he's just like we're 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 running, we're gunning. That's that's the only way I know how to play football. I mean, that sounds like a very Ryan Fitzpatrick stat to me. And we have another fit, man. I feel like the NFL this year has just had some really bad games. Like 80% of their games are awful on paper every week all of a sudden. But that doesn't matter for us because we love shitty games on this segment. You have the New York Jets against the Washington. We can't say their names. We can't say their names are minus two and a half mm. in Washington. Who do you have? I think the Jets. Oh, <laughs> I like it. I was going to give you the over-under, but we have to save that for later because it gets even worse. We have the Bengals at the Raiders. You have the Raiders minus 10 and a half. And you know what? I'm going to take I'm going to take the Raiders. I'm going to eat the points on this one because I think the uh, Raiders, this is the beginning of their run to the AFC West title along with the Dolphins as a uh, title, <laughs> title holder. No reason to put money on the Bengals until AJ Green suits up, and it looks like they're probably just not going to do that this year. Yeah, which they've... ruins my my super uh, fantasy football picks, where I got AJ Green for for nothing. Uh, it seemed so good at the beginning, but once he delivers nothing, it'll just be a wasted draft pick. Once they bench Andy Dalton, he's like, "Oh yeah, my hamstrings a little yeah, tight so... again, guys. This is weird." <laughs> See, no, I would have thought it was like once Andy Dalton went out, he's like, "I'm good now." I think I can play. Yeah, it's gonna work. You went from Andy Dalton. You got a little bit lower Finley, so you know. Sorry, when the right rifle is your better option, sometimes your hammy does feel a little bit worse, and you you want to make that money next year. He got traded. Would he've already played a game? Probably, yeah. Yeah, he's got that. I think he's got. Maybe he doesn't have the Jalen Ramsey syndrome, but I feel like he would been a little looser before a game than he was this week. That's just me. But Mac, for you, good sir, we have the Patriots at the hated Eagles. In the uh, Philadelphia against with those shitty fans, I feel sorry for any Patriots fan that's driving to Philadelphia. You're probably going to be doused by something. Uh, you have the Patriots minus three and a half. I take the Patriots. This is a very a very uh, easy week for us to make picks. I like how decisive we are. And then Mac, we have bonus bets for you. And since it is a Sunday night primetime game, we can't ignore it. You have the Chicago Bears. With Trubisky under center against the L.A. Rams with Jared Goff under center, the spread six and a half. We don't care about that because this is a Bears game. The over/under is forty and a half. Who do you have? 
or what do you have rather for the points? And I'd like a, I'd like a per- score prediction too. Give me give me one second. God, this is I'm trying to look up the last couple games, figure out some some averages. It's not good for the offenses. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go the under. I'm gonna go the under. And what what do you what do you think the score is gonna be? Uh, I'll I'll throw in I'll throw in five dollars if you get the score right, just for bonus. Uh, I'm gonna go twenty three to ten Rams. Ooh, okay. You even gives me a f- pick. That is a potential five extra dollars for free right there. And then I'll let you pick another bonus batch. You have the Chiefs at the Chargers in Mexico City. Are they gonna play there? <laughs> like, are they actually? Yes. Gonna, are they actually? I'll take, gonna, the, I'll take it. Yes, they're gonna, gonna take. They're gonna take the yes. That's not the uh, sports bet. The sports bet is the ungodly over under fifty two in this game. Damn, I thought you were gonna give me an easy one. So the, the over under fifty two. Uh, so that's that's tough. Uh, what was the last? Chargers went twenty four twenty six. Yeah, I'm gonna go over. Over. What? Do, what do you think the score is gonna be on this one, good sir? I don't know. Some something stupid like 37-33. <laughs> I like with a couple of defensive touchdowns in there. Yeah. I like that one. And uh folks, that's your most monotone minutes of your life right there. Neat. Is there any game that we didn't have a bet on that we care to discuss at all? What's the the most interesting game that you didn't think was interesting enough for a bet? I think that would probably be the Texans and the Ravens. You have the Ravens at minus 4 in Baltimore. But I didn't want to bet that one because it actually sounds like a good game, and why would we ever bet a good game on this segment? That's a good point. And I think uh, I think that would be an easy win for the Ravens because I uh, I still believe Deshaun Watson has five traffic cones for offensive linemen, <laughs> and he has a terrible knack for. Now, I don't know if he refuses to get out of the pocket, if he doesn't like to get out of the pocket for some reason, or he just doesn't have that clock in his head. He takes a, a bunch of silly sacks for me. So I think that's going to be a great game. But other than that, you have, you know, games like the Saints and the Bucks, the Vikings and the Broncos. You got the Jags and the Colts. We talked about the Cowboys and Lions. It's a symptom of, in my personal belief, a symptom of this NFL year where there's so many middling teams. Some of the game, most of the games are going to be bad. So, you know, that's that's just me, though. Yeah, and I agree with the Texans-Ravens pick is the most interesting. Uh, they might just be one of the most interesting of the week. Uh, seeing what the, the, the Texans can do, uh, if the Ravens can keep getting those marquee wins against top teams and just, you know, if they can get the win, like, you know, how, how do they look in the win? How do they look? Uh, last time uh, Lamar Jackson went up against a offensive juggernaut uh, facing the Chiefs, that was, you know, they, they lost that game. And now Deshaun Watson and the Texans pretty close to that. So we'll see uh, when you're playing a a little bit, a little bit different. Uh, you know, as good as Lamar Jackson's doing, I'm not going to be crazy like Clay Travis and try to say that uh, Deshaun Watson's the better quarterback. And Lamar Jackson doesn't throw it down the field, uh, despite all stats saying that uh, Lamar Jackson actually throws it deeper on average than Deshaun Watson. Not going to be stupid like that, but it is just a different type of team. It's a team that's going to make sure they put points on the board. And when the Ravens are not trying to milk the clock, keep the ball while also scoring, uh, you know, how well do they compete when it is just this epic shootout? They didn't do bad against the Chiefs, and they probably could have won that game. Uh, This Texans game will say a lot about how the Ravens can play 
you know, against all types of teams. So really excited for that. That will help. They they might even get them boosted up to number one in next week's power rankings. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, the the that's that's about all that we have for this week. I am uh, gonna cut you off right now because I forgot about something. This we cannot bet on this, but yeah. Nick Foles is coming back. So oh how, my god! So how big? How much big dick energy will big dick Nick have? Uh, facing the Colts, I mean, he has a good chance to 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 come in strong, uh, to get something done. Uh, that that could also be the nail in the coffin for the Colts and their playoff hopes. Uh, I wouldn't put money on it, but uh, he might have a good game. All right, there we go. He's not gonna... twenty million worth. Yeah, <laughs> I just have to throw that in there every time. Every time we're not going to talk about Nick Foles anymore because we're done with that. We're moving on. Outro us, good sir. All right, that's uh, that's all we have. Uh, I hope you guys are excited because this week, not only do we have this podcast uh, up on the the normal sites on iTunes, on Spotify, on SoundCloud, and everything else, uh, we will have a version uploaded to YouTube. It will not have video. I apologize for that. Who knows? That might be in the works, guys. But for anybody who just likes to throw on audio on YouTube and listen to it that way, I don't know why you guys are crazy and don't get a podcasting app, but we have decided to cater to you anyway. So uh, big things coming from the NFL show and from the Tell Me More podcast. Later, folks.